Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Claret and Blue. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined here this evening by John Townley for our second episode of Inside Bodymore, where John Townley reports back from Inside Bodymore Heath uh, for our Everton preview, essentially. John, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Looking forward to the game of the weekend. Really busy day today. Yeah. It was like loads has happened when at this stage, nothing's been uh, confirmed by the club or anything. But yeah, press conference days are always really busy. Loads of stuff to do and then things to like schedule over the weekend and different bits of content so yeah really busy i don't know how it's six o'clock at the time of recording this it feels like two o'clock but yeah villa park first game of the season for us like, yep. nothing happened last week first game of the season it's weird to be starting a week later than everyone else but nothing happened last week at all uh obviously we're here to talk about you know press conference the injury update and the, and the predicted 11 and the usual bits and pieces of a pre-match show so we'll start with the presser as we always do uh what was body more heath like this afternoon and how was you know there was a bit of a delay as you can imagine there's a lot going on at body more at the moment and yeah, that that just allowed more time to have some more carrot cake. So it was all good. <laughs> carrot cake, yeah, it was really nice as well. Nice. So first to Villa for putting on uh, some good um, some good food as always. And yeah, Emery was fine. We're trying to sort of blank it out, but we we are coming on the back of a five one defeat. It's not how the season. Uh, it's not how we thought the season would have started. And obviously the two major injuries too. So it's it's very much. I think let's get Everton out of the way with with a win. Mm. and start the season from here basically almost pretending last week didn't happen but at the same time yeah. as as we'll get on to he he did say Villa have analysed the Newcastle game very deeply is what he said and the players know they've some of them you know, made bad bad mistakes I don't doubt that almost every day they, they would have been going through different things that they've um, analysed from from the Newcastle game There's, to be honest coming after coming out from that game I thought at St. James is like a, there's a, I don't know how when it, weirdly is there so much you can take from it because we did a big podcast didn't we done on the, on the Monday show saying about psychologically a lot there's a big impact there is it all about tactics and whatnot but Emery um, won't leave any stone unturned will he so uh, loads that they would have gone through over the last few days at Bodymore and as I say, let's just get Everton out of the way with, with, with a win, three points, start the season and carry on from there. From what Emery said, that lessons would have been learned this week. That was the message that they knew why things went wrong and it won't happen again. Obviously, the bulk of the, the players, the bulk of the squad that was at Newcastle, those are the players who got Villa into seventh last season. So he trusts them and he knows that that was just a one-off. And it Well, it needs to be a one-off, but yeah. also, you know, Conser isn't going to make the mistake that he made every game and it's you know it's not hopefully it won't happen again this season <laughs> yeah. but there is going to be things now that those players are going to have to 
learn in terms of um, especially the defence without Mings. As, as we keep saying, he's the organiser, he's the leader and Emery mentioned in his presser again today about how they're building a new structure as in it's the same structure but with new players and new players because of injured players as well if that makes sense so it's not going to it's not the identical 11 to what it was when we played Brighton put it that way in my opinion we almost seem a bit backwards in in, in a strange way like I don't know maybe just a, f- a few months or so but that's not a bad thing because we've recruited really good players but the injuries I think have set us back a bit it's like so it's like we said on the on the Monday show that if things go well over the next even two weeks Everton and the European games the vibe and the feeling around the fan base and around mm. the club will be totally different and Newcastle, will have, we will have learnt lessons from and it will be forgotten, it will be in the past. I mean, Stuart Pearce on TalkSport today was tipping Newcastle to win the league this season. So that's the level of where, where Newcastle are amongst yeah. other people's estimates. So, you know, like we said before, we were beating ourselves. Losing to Newcastle wasn't the end of the world as much as it was a, a terrible result uh, in terms of scoreline. Losing to Mings was the big issue, but I don't want to dwell on that any further. Let's go to the injury update then, and, and thank God we're not talking about one of a fresh injury. Last week's preview show was over, overshadowed by Emma Wendia. We spoke about Tyra Mings at length. Nothing new this week. It's yeah. pretty much as you were, wasn't it? Bertrand Traoray and John Duran are back in training this week, but they won't be featuring um, for a little bit of time just because they've only just come back to training and both of them have had... Really, like They are, I suppose, long-term, in, not long-term, but they're you know, medium-term injuries, I suppose you could call them, because just because it's in pre-season, they've still missed two months, haven't they? That's that's a long time. So, like Alex Moreno, for example, he will hopefully return to training soon, uh, quite soon, but then he's not going to be involved in the squad mm. maybe until the uh, Palace game because they've been out for a long time. So, yes, they've only missed uh, technically a couple of games. They've obviously missed the whole of pre-season, haven't they? So they need to um, get back up to speed and quickly. But also um, safely too. That's the uh, key thing. So, yeah, as you were for the Everton squad, hopefully in a couple of games, a couple of weeks, we'll have more players coming back and we'll be in a you know a, a decent position. But you're still going to be missing those two players that have just got long term injuries. When Ramsey and Moreno come back, I think Villa are in a, still in a really good place though. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see when they come back. I think Emery kind of was, was mentioning the um, after the international break. Though I don't think we'll see either Ramsey or Moreno before before Palace, but if they need that extra time to get ready, then you know there's no point in rushing them back for, I think it's Liverpool away, the last game we played before the yeah. international break. Let's go to the opposition view then. I caught up with Joe Thomas from the Liverpool Echo and I asked him five questions ahead of Sunday's game. Today, I'm here to ask you five questions ahead of Everton and Aston Villa playing at Villa Park on Sunday afternoon. Before we get into those though, a sixth bonus question. How are you? Yeah, not doing too bad, Keith. And thanks very much for having me on the show. Looking forward to the new season, but perhaps not looking forward to Sunday as, as much as it might be if it was in six weeks' time. Are you satisfied with the, the business that Everton have done this transfer window? Are you happy with it? It's a good start, but it needs to be finished off. Um, mm. You know, Everton are a Fred Bear squad. They were Fred Bear squad last season. Had too many players that within those numbers suffered from injury problems that were persistent. So come the back end of last season, I mean, look at Bournemouth the last day of the season when they needed to win to survive. One of the biggest games in Everton's modern history. They couldn't even name a, a fit starting fullback. This was always going to be a very, very tricky window for, for Everton, but they got four signings in so far. And I think that they're all quite astute um, yeah, they, they help in key areas where Everton desperately needed reinforcements. Jack Harrison, the most recent addition, 
with Arno Danjuma being two players that can help out wide and relatively versatile, so they can play across a couple of roles across the top end of the pitch. Young lad called Yusuf Chimiti from from Sporting, who 19-year-old striker who, who looks like a work in progress, to be honest, very much of the Dominic Calvert-Lewin mould, which whatever they need. And then Ashley Young, who obviously you and your listeners all know well, and is somebody who it, you know, brings a lot of professionalism, big character in the dressing room, and someone who's versatile and experienced and Everton, Considering Everton don't have the finances to go and spend money on specialists in all the positions they need, having someone as versatile as someone like Ashley Young, you can play both fullback positions, obviously push up a bit higher if you needed to be as well. That's that's crucial. But Evan's season will live or die by whether or not they get a striker in in the next few weeks. That's that's the the final kind of piece of the jigsaw. Let's talk about the, the game on Sunday specifically then. Now, if I hadn't seen Ashley Young play for Aston Villa last season and was looking at Everton's uh, team sheet and thought 38-year-old Ashley Young at left-back, maybe he's an area that Villa can target. He, he's, you know, he must be on, on his last legs kind of thing. I mean, he lost on the opening day to to Fulham and he was probably one of your, your better performers, I think it's probably fair to say. And one that I think... Villa fans, now we've lost Tara Mings, not that they play the same position, but Ashley Young, from a leadership perspective and the things he offers to the dressing room, probably could have done a job at Aston Villa this season as well. And we all know this side of of, uh, of things that Ashley Young is still a very, very good player. Where can Villa get Everton, do you think? What is the the weakness? Yeah, I think it still is is probably down the flanks a little bit. Ashley Young, you know, he had a decent first game for Everton. Everton actually played really well against Fulham. It was, I mean, for anybody that went beyond the the scoreline and watched match today or anything else, really, Everton should have been out of sight at half time. It's not even through one or two decent chances. They had four guilt edged opportunities in the first half and a goal which was very questionably disallowed as well because they don't have a lot of players on the bench of, of decent quality. Once you get to that second phase of the game after the hour mark, when teams now tend to make about three substitutions because you can make so many more, you haven't don't have the quality to turn to to then strengthen for the final bit. The defence is still a work in progress. Ashley Young is still you know, building his bridges with, with Michael Keane and, and James Tarkovsky, the two centre-backs. If you can get in behind that space there, then which obviously you you have players that are very adept at doing and that could hurt Everton. Um, The other main weakness there, and it's less about what Villa can do, it's more about what Everton can't do and that's still finishing finishing opportunities. So if they do get the opportunities in the first place, Sean Dyche's Everton side have been very good at creating opportunities, just finishing them. So, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Willie, won't he star is... He's getting there with his fitness. If he starts, it's a massive boost. It's a completely different ball game for Villa from a defensive perspective. If he doesn't, then the chances are it's likely that Villa will get one or two lives in case if they needed them. When you talk to the, the Everton squad, there's a, there's a few decent players throughout there. The the, the lack of a, a prolific goal scorer is clearly the, the biggest weakness from your perspective. And obviously where Villa can attack you, attack you is down those positions. You mentioned something like Moussa Diabe running in behind is, is going to be lethal against most sides. Who should Villa be fearful of from Everton side of things? I think Villa, what, what Villa should probably be most concerned about from Everton from attacking point of view is Evans' directness. So what Everton will do is they'll be more than happy to concede possession in areas which aren't dangerous. So if you end up in a scenario where you're, you're very patiently knocking the ball around and thinking that you're on top, well, if Everton bite into a challenge, they are quick on the counter. Someone like Alex Awobi, you know, is a very intelligent player. Should have come away with a couple of assists from the same game last season. But just like this season, there were question marks over Everton's striking position. I mean, Damari Gray missed a great opportunity in, in that game. 
Amadou Anan of centre midfield, a really, really big talent. He's captain, captain the Belgian national side. There were games when he was the best player on the pitch. Sean Dyche's first game was against Arsenal and Evan won that 1-0. And it, you know, Anana was the player that the Arsenal players were talking about in their dressing room after, you know, Martin Odegaard in particular, just, I mean, after being obliterated by him for one, for one attack, they were, you know, they were just talking about what a talent he was because he's so young and because he's so inexperienced, he blows hot and cold. He played really well against Fulham and, you know, should have had two assists in the first half playing in a role which we didn't see him do so much last season, but which you think is where his strength's going to lie. And that is, he's very good at breaking up an attack on the edge of his own box. The next step is where he needs to develop. Dominic Calvert-Lewin starts and he's a big freak. So what he'll do is he'll hang off those centre-backs. He'll challenge everything in the air. And when whenever and clear into the channels, he's someone who's got the pace to get to the ball and the, 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 the know-how to hold it up and feed into players around them. So if Dominic Cavalier plays, he's the obvious attacking threat. If not, it's less about individuals and more about the directness of the system. Mm. Score prediction then for Sunday? I'm going to say 2-2 because I, I want to be positive, but I do think this will be a very, very difficult challenge for, for Everton, even more so with what happened to Aston Villa against Newcastle because mm. it feels like a side that's already had a good pre-season and it already looks like it's in good shape for the coming season now has a point to prove. And, and yeah. I think... You know, Everton are going to make progress, I think, this season. But I think it's going to be one a season which they build into as players grow into the side with the ones that signed over the summer and ones come back to full fitness. It's almost as if this season may have started a week or two just too early for Everton. And hmm. This game might have come a little bit too early for Everton as well. My wider kind of general talking point then before I let you go, are Everton good enough to beat the drop this season? It feels like you, you think that they'll make progress and I'm inclined to agree with you but I would suggest that that might only stay up because there's three worst teams this year. The big advantage that they have over last season and the season before that is that they start this season on a war footing. Uh, There can't be any naivety or complacency towards the the very real threat of relegation after having the two scares that they have done. And in Sean Dyche, as opposed to Frank Lampard and Rafa Benitez, they have a manager that's perfectly set up for that and has now spent the summer building... It's less about building a squad because he hasn't really had the resources to kind of make wholesale changes, but building a mentality and a, and a resilience towards um, it, you know, into a side so it knows what it's going into straight from the beginning. I think the league is weaker this year. Everton need to sign a striker. They they just they cannot go for into a third season reliant on Dominic Calvert Lewin playing most of the games. If Dominic Calvert Lewin plays 30 games this season, Evans stay up without a problem, probably pushing towards mid-table. I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm, I'm optimistic, but it comes with a caveat that they really, really do still need to sign that striker. If they can do that, then they'll take a big step towards safety this season. Cheers that, Joe. Very much appreciated and, and all the best for Sunday. They're not too much good luck. <laughs> Thank, thanks very much and good luck for the season. Okay, John, let's go away from match day. This is the, the part of the show where we talk about something that isn't Aston Villa versus Everton related. And we're going to talk about Nicolo Zaniolo, if I pronounce that correctly. It's a lovely name, by the way. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Uh, this is one that's rumbled and rumbled on, isn't it? As, as the uh, the cliche goes, a bit of a transfer saga, let's say as well. Um, as we're recording this right now, Villa haven't officially confirmed the signing, but we can say 
it is done. It's all pretty much done. It's just one of those things that, for whatever reason, the announcement is seemingly taking a little bit longer than anyone would like. We'd lined up a podcast with an Italian journalist to look at Nicolo Zaniolo and the lowdown on him. Uh, we were going to do that Wednesday, and it got pushed back for various reasons. We are going to do it Thursday. It didn't quite happen because of rumours of a failed medical on Thursday, and we thought, let's just be careful. We don't record a whole podcast and not get to use it. The schedule's not aligned to do a proper Nicolo Zaniolo podcast. I said it rolls off the tongue, but the more you say it, the more I'm starting to trip myself up a little bit. So there won't be a big episode just about him and the the, the bit that we do about him is this bit now in this show. So, John, let's say that by the time this has come out, Villa have announced him, fingers crossed. Uh, are you happy with this deal? We're assuming it's going to be a, a loan with a, an option to buy. Yeah. I'll tell you my thoughts in a sec. How do you feel about it? I feel positive about it. I think Villa need options in attack. We know this isn't a player that's just arrived because Buendia's injured. We must mm. say that at the start. But even if Buendia was still fully fit, I still think Villa needed just things here and there. And Zaniola, what he will bring is a different profile to yeah. Villa's forward line. He isn't a striker and he's he's neither a, a sort of, I don't know, a traditional winger or a traditional number 10. It's, it's none of that. But what he is, is he's very versatile. He can operate in different positions at any given point in a game that Emery sees fit. So I think for that, for those reasons... Um, it's really, uh, I think it'd be a very astute signing, especially because it's only a loan. There's, lo- there's no risk in that. Villa could end up paying a fee for him if so many appearances are met and things like that. Mm. But if that's the case, then clearly he's, he's yeah. uh, been useful in Villa's campaign uh, this season. So I, I don't see many downsides to it. He's He's got bags of ability, he's a really talented footballer. Obviously, the only issues that he's had, uh, I said the only issues, but the main issues that he's had um, have been his injuries, those two ACLs that he's had previously at Roma, but he needed to leave Italy, not literally, but he needed to leave Italy to get a, try and get his career back on track. And mm. if, he, if he ends up at um, the seventh place uh, Premier League club from last season, then that's that's doing that in his eyes, isn't it? You know, the Premier League's the best league in the world and, and he's playing under Unai Emery, um, a manager that he needs at this point in his career, to be honest, he needs he needs that guidance. He's only 24 still, but it's a bit of a crossroads. Yeah, I'm I'm enthused by it. I think it will be um, a really good addition. And yeah, just on the hold up, it, there's no there's no um, sort of issues with medicals or anything like that. It was just on Galatasaray's side. They were for different reasons. Um, there was just a bit of a hold up, but obviously it's all going to be um, be fine. And yeah. A welcome addition, I think. Obviously, a bit of a background. I'm sure everyone's done their own research by now, but has previously been signed by Monchi as well at Roma. Yeah. I think Inter Milan signed him for a million, two million euros maybe, and didn't really, I don't think he featured for the first team. So I swapped him out to Roma where he had a bit of a breakthrough season, um, won the Young Player of the Year in Syria for various reasons, just didn't quite work out for, for him at, at Roma in the end. There's a lot of talk about like, attitude problems and things like that on social media and that he'd had a falling out with Mourinho, which to me is a bit of a, well, anyone can fall out of Mourinho. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's a, a big red flag, as people suspect. Um, but the kind of a player who's supposedly got ability to be shift, shipped off to Galatasaray in Turkey as a as a league that isn't as uh, prestigious as the the main five leagues, let's say in in Europe. That why would he have gone there if he's if he's so good? Kind of thing. Talk that I saw about like him being chased out of Roma by the. The, the ultras and things like that turning up at his house. I, it was almost it almost seemed like a necessity just to get away from from Roma for a little bit. And uh, there was talk of him rejecting the move to Bournemouth in the January just gone as well. So a little bit of like, has he got this big ego? Does he think he's better than certain clubs and things like that? And obviously that's for 
people like Emery and Monchi and the, and the staff at Villa to to work out. They will know far more than, than we do of, of what kind of player they're getting here. Likewise, with his injury record, it won't be a surprise to them that he's had two ACLs by the age of 24. We're not, we haven't unearthed some kind of uh, unknown knowledge there. So if they think he's the right profile in terms of personality to fit in with the squad, the right profile in terms of ability to fit into the squad and offer something for Villa going forward. If there's any manager across the Premier League that you may want to kind of uh, unearth a, a, di- a rough diamond and, and make them shiny, uh, it's Uno Emery, isn't it? Somebody you want to have, have your faith in and say, I've, I've gone to play for one of the, the best managers in terms of European pedigree. He trusts in me. If I play his system in the right way in the Premier League and in the Europa Conference League, he can kind of kickstart my career again for want of a better phrase he played well in turkey as well it's worth saying he got five goals and yeah. ten appearances i know it's only turkey and you can throw that in but that's that was the level he was playing at and he played very well um just on bournemouth as well like, you know if, if he did reject them then fair enough that's his decision but i like a lot of the moves that bournemouth are making in the transfer window not just this summer but in january as well they signed uh, watara and other players who have done very well for them and people are still considering them to get relegated but considering where they were this time last summer the squad's much better and i think their recruitment needs commending so if they're a team that are looking to buy Zan- or were looking to buy zaniola for i think it was around 30 million then clearly um you know i mean i, I trust monchi anyway um to make the right calls and, and obviously those decisions won't be taken uh, without emery's say so so um yeah I think it's a good a good piece of business for Villa and ultimately, it's, it, again, it's no risk. That hopefully he plays well and if he doesn't, Villa don't have to buy him. I mean, no Villa fan will want to hear the three letters ACL too often over the course of this podcast given recent events. But are those two injuries he's had any concern to you? When you have those injuries, the club has to be sure that the money that they're investing in uh, that player is worthwhile. So if they're happy with the medical and things like that, then, you know, I'm sure fans will be fine with it. And, but uh, of course, they have to be worried because... I mean, the worries for the worries for players. We, we've just seen Wendy Mings that they're out for possibly the rest of the season with those injuries. They're nasty, um, nasty injuries for footballers. So it's not good. However, what I'd say is Zaniolo, he's missed a relatively, you know, large part of, uh, of of one season. But I think the other knee injury that he had, it wasn't, it didn't rule him out for you know the, the whole campaign. I think it was less than that. So uh, yes, his injury record isn't brilliant, but. That's why Villa are probably going to be getting him on loan um, at the age of 24. And again, he's a, he's a brilliant footballer. I just hope that everything settles for him well in Birmingham and he can yeah, kick on his uh, kick his career on from here. Yeah, regardless of when he's signed and in terms of the, the deadline for the weekend, he's missed the last few games, hasn't he, with a, with a hip injury for Galatasaray anyway, whether that's a proper injury or whether it's an injury of a, I'm about to get a move and I don't want to play last, the last couple of games, who knows. Yeah. Um, so he he obviously won't be available for Sunday, even if he has signed by the time this comes out. There's also rumours of Marcos Acuna as well. We won't really talk, touch on him at, at the moment because nothing seems to develop develop that far yet. Anyway, and again, also won't be available for the game on Sunday. So we'll um, we'll touch on that next week if anything further progresses. So let's talk about predicted eleven. Then it's going to be at least one enforced change from last week with obviously Tyra Mings missing out. Uh, talk me through your eleven and whether that's the only change uh, or is there any more. So I have Martinez. This is a prediction 11 of what I think Emery will choose. I think most of it picks itself again. Martinez in goal, Cash at right back. Because I'm not too sure about the left-back situation at the moment. Obviously, Luca Dean's been linked with a move away from the club. We'll see what happens there. To be honest, as far as I know, in the earlier in the summer, he was not intending to leave Villa at all. Um, whether Villa wanted to move him on or not, we don't know. But he didn't want to leave himself. A Saudi offer comes in, maybe that will change his... Um, 
change his mind. Again, we'll wait and see in the final weeks of the window, but I'm not sure if he'll be playing or not. I look at the three at the back that Emery was playing in pre-season and I don't think Newcastle was the right time to play it and he didn't. He played a, a flat back four, but I think against Everton where we're, we're probably going to have most of the ball, we want to be dominating in their half. I think he probably will play Torres as that left-sided player, uh, which would mean Diego Carlos has to play in the centre and Concer as the right-sided player. And then I had Matty Cash on the right. I've got Leon Bailey on the left because I'm not sure if he trusts Jane just yet. Kamara, Louise, John McGinn, Diaby, and is that everyone? I think that's Watkins. everyone. And Ollie Watkins, of course, yeah. <laughs> For the people watching on YouTube, there would have been a nice graphic to go with that. So yeah, they went up there we go, yeah. Do you think we'll see McGinn back on the right and Bailey on the left, or will they continue to be on the opposite sides like they were for Newcastle? I mean, I'd play Bailey off the left anyway, because I think you need to have John McGinn from the right, but then where does Diaby fit in? It's difficult to... Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm happy with it being fluid, to be honest. I know Emery started... Uh, McGinn left, didn't he? And then Bailey right against Newcastle. Then he flipped it when Tielemans came on. So I think there's different options that he can go with. But I think as a as as an eleven, that's what he'll field. But then it's up to him to um, organise which players he wants in which different situations. Because Everton's teams, it's going to be compact. They're going to be well organised. So I think Villa moving around. Yeah, that sounds obvious. But moving positions in the game as well. I think that will be. You know, that could be important too. Because yeah, Everton will come here probably playing for a point because that would be a good result for them. So Joe said earlier that Everton's main problem is not having a striker that you can rely on if Dominic Calvert-Lewin plays. That does change the dynamic a little bit for Villa defensively, but if he doesn't, Everton might create a couple of chances, but they haven't really got anyone who you could who you rely on to, to stick them away. So I think he said the phrase, something like Villa might get away with one here and there in terms of you know, they'll miss chances because they haven't got a clinical finisher. Yeah. Uh, what could be a, a potentially interesting battle if John McGinn is played on the right is McGinn versus Ashley Young. That'd be, that'd be tasty, wouldn't it? Yeah, that, that'd be interesting. Just on Ashley Young as well, Young, um, Young, Emery was um, spoke about him a little bit in his press conference as well. So we'll have some quotes about Ashley Young. Obviously, it was a difficult decision for, um, for Emery to make in terms of him leaving. And he didn't really get a send-off, did he, at Villa Park? No. On, at the end of the Brighton game. So, and again, I, I think you can give him a send-off, but but you can't in a way, because you're, you're playing against him. You're not, you can't do anything before the game. And after the game, if Villa have won and Ashley Young's lost, he's not going to come around doing, you know, clapping the whole end, is he? Because Everton fans won't have it. But I don't think Ashley Young is so professional. I don't think he's going to start walking around the stadium and being like, oh, you know, my team lost, but um, I love the Villa fans sort of thing. And to be honest, Villa fans need to leave the stadium anyway, don't they, before 90 minutes? Because it's... Because you can't get out of the stadium, can you, after the game? <laughs> well, hopefully things uh, will be better on that front soon. Uh, we'll end with predictions then, as we always do with the preview slash Inside Bodymore show. Uh, last week's didn't go well for either of us. I mean, who would have predicted Villa what to lose 5-1? According to my lovely spreadsheet, you went for a 1-1 draw and I went for a 2-1 win. So zero okay. points for us both on the spreadsheet. Um, as we said last week, correct score is three points. A correct outcome is one point, and nothing is nothing as you'd expect. <laughs> so, John, Villa's first home game against Everton got to bounce back. Got to be better than last week. What are you going with? Two-one Villa. We have goals in us, but I also think that we could concede a goal just because I think we've got some teething <laughs> issues at the moment. And that's like a well, yeah, two-one is very obvious, then, isn't it? But no, I just think they're good from uh, set pieces. Obviously, I think our back line, you know, you, you don't have Mings in there. I'm not going to say it all. I can't keep saying it, but we're um, I feel like we're probably a bit vulnerable at the moment. And Everton will try and expose that. They've got a couple of quick wingers, so. Yeah, we'll see, but I think we'll win. And I'll take yeah. 2-1. 2-1-3-1-5-0 Villa, whatever it is. Three points on the board, I think, is what matters at this point. Well, I'm going with the scoreline. You didn't say there, 1-0. 
I think it'll be closer than people might expect. Not in the terms that Villa are going to be rubbish again, that kind of thing. But no. I think some people might think that Villa needs to come out and make a statement and blast somebody away themselves four 0 We could, but I'm not sure that that will happen this week at least. I just don't, I don't see everything scoring. I think we've got enough to at least win the game. So I'm going to be more conservative than I normally would and go for one nil. But I'd absolutely take any win, whether it's a, a terrible VAR decision goes our way or it bounces off Ashley Young's backside and he walks off the pitch embarrassed. I'd absolutely take it. Let's just get through the first um, first weeks of the season, hopefully with some points yeah. in the bag. And performances will come. As long as we've got points on the board, I'm happy. Yeah, that's the key thing. We we spoke a lot about the kind of long-term season ambitions in the Monday show that we did. And a few comments were saying, come on, lads, you know, let's stop talk about Conference League finals and FA Cup finals and things like that. We've got to kind of just get through, like you said, the first few weeks. So it is that old cliche, one game at a time, beat Everton, yeah. and then it's all focus on Hibernian, who we now know that we'll be playing on Wednesday night away at Easter Road. And then the following Thursday will be the home leg at Villa Park, uh, a game away at Burnley in between those and a game at Liverpool after that as well. So a very busy month, but just get through it. Beat Everton, beat Hibs, beat Hibs again. <laughs> Stop rolling beat some Burnley, Burnley, beat Liverpool. It's exactly, yeah, it's as easy as that, mate. And then Ramsey comes back with beat Palace, etc. etc. <laughs> John, thanks for joining me as always and your insight. Thanks for Joe Thomas as well for joining us earlier in the show from the, the Royal Blue podcast. Thanks everyone for watching this preview. Appreciate it. it's lighter than usual, but things have happened beyond our, our means. Maybe Zaniolo is signed. If he hasn't, he will be soon. Uh, we'll see you on Sunday. And uh, post-match show will be back on Sunday night as well. And the Monday show will be back on Monday, as you would expect. So uh, stay tuned to Carton Blue. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>